0: It's raining plastics on the national parks. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny
1: Halperin, and it's This Week in Water.
0: Conservationists are warning that the COVID-19 pandemic will create a massive increase in pollution in oceans that are already facing a glut of plastic waste.
1: The French nonprofit Operation Clean Sea warns that we may soon have more discarded face masks in the ocean than jellyfish.
0: Divers from the organization told The Guardian that they had found dozens of gloves, masks, and bottles of hand sanitizer in the Mediterranean, along with the usual cups and aluminum cans.
1: That's not an enormous quantity of COVID 19 waste, but it portends seas full of discarded personal protective equipment. The nonprofit says that plastic masks have a lifespan of 450 years, representing an ecological time bomb.
0: PPE pollution presents challenges for marine life. Turtles and other animals often choke on plastic debris, mistaking it for food. And as the plastic breaks down, it releases harmful chemicals that can get all the way up the food chain and onto our dinner plates.
1: In response to the problem, France plans to increase fines for littering. And in Canada, researchers at the University of British Columbia are attempting to make face masks from paper and wood fiber in an effort to reduce ocean plastic pollution.
0: And plastics are
1: also swirling in the air. A new study from Utah State University shows the plastics are being carried in the atmosphere and then deposited in remote areas when it rains or snows.
0: The researchers examined samples from 11 national parks and wilderness areas and found tiny bits of plastic in 98% of samples they collected.
1: Most of the detected plastics were microfibers from both clothing and industrial materials, with some coming from nearby, but others from faraway urban Areas.
0: The research suggests that the smaller, lighter particles had been carried extremely long distances on currents high in the atmosphere and had become part of the cycles of global dust transport. The
1: lead scientist told the New York Times that finding so much plastic in supposedly pristine areas means we're breathing it too.
0: Last week, a huge spill of diesel fuel from a power plant in Siberia reached a fragile freshwater lake, threatening the sensitive ecosystem of the Arctic Ocean.
1: Gizmodo reports the cause of the leak was likely melting permafrost that softened below a fuel storage tank because of record warm temperatures. The disaster led Russian President Vladimir Putin to declare a state of emergency.
0: Greenpeace Russia said in a statement that the company that owns the plant could not have been unaware of the risks of permafrost thawing, and it was obligated to monitor soils to prevent the destruction of infrastructure.
1: USA Today reports that as global warming has raised temperatures, especially in the Arctic, melting permafrost has become a major problem where buildings were constructed on soils which used to be as hard as concrete.
0: Gizmodo notes that a study done about two years ago shows that one-third of the ground under Arctic infrastructure could thaw, affecting as many as 4 million People.
1: Coal mines in the UK may be a new source of energy, but not from burning fossil fuels.
0: A new project seeks to use water in a banded mine shafts to heat homes.
1: Water in mines is heated by the earth's crust. The plan is to pump it up from flooded shafts with electricity from renewables and use it to heat over 1,500 homes in County Durham, England.
0: The potential for using the mine water is significant because about 25 percent of Britain's homes are on top of coal fields.
1: A spokesperson for the British Coal Authority told the BBC that the cost could be competitive with gas, which nearly all the homes in the UK use for central heating.
0: There are some uncertainties. Drilling into the abandoned mines can be difficult because many were poorly mapped, and the pumped water can be salty and contain minerals.
1: That technology could have potential in other countries like Poland, where there are many coal mines and cold winters. And finally... There used to be hundreds of thousands of sea otters along the North American west coast from Baja to Alaska. But in the mid-1700s, the adorable mammals were hunted nearly to extinction for their thick, luxurious fur.
0: The loss of otters had a huge impact on marine ecosystems. The animals can eat about a quarter of their body weight in urchins, crabs, and clams each day. But with their disappearance, populations of shellfish grew. And with it, the shellfish industry. But
1: otters are making a comeback thanks to restoration efforts in the 1960s and 70s. And according to a new study from the University of British Columbia, that has huge economic benefits for ecosystems and the climate.
0: As Earther reports, otters eat shellfish and shellfish eat kelp. Kelp forests not only provide shelter and food to a range of organisms, they also suck carbon out of the atmosphere.
1: With sea otters back and munching on shellfish, kelp forests are thriving and so are animals that live there such as halibut and salmon. The authors found that when otters were present, coastal ecosystems were nearly 40% more productive.
0: Plus, sea otters are playful and cute, so tourists flock to see them. Taken together, the return of the otters provides a boost to commercial fisheries, carbon sequestration, and tourism, which far outweighs the lost revenue from shellfish harvesting.
1: Not everyone is happy, however. First Nations communities have relied on shellfish for their livelihood. And as Science News explains, many indigenous communities, some of which are far from grocery stores, can't easily shift to another source of food or business.
0: And the authors acknowledge that any real introduction program needs to be designed to be more equitable and help communities find alternative opportunities for revenue.
1: That's it for This Week in Water. We'll see you next time.